0: With the rituals of Valentine's Day in the rearview mirror and the spiritual deep dive of Lent just beginning, one of our favorite guests, Charbel Reisch, is here to share a distinctively Catholic perspective on the importance of nurturing your marriage.
1: Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Miladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV
2: host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections.
0: Welcome, I'm Lisa Miladnik, your host, and today I'm really happy to have Charbel Raish back with us from Australia here to talk about nurturing your marriage. Charbel Reisch is married to Christine, and they've been blessed with eight children together. Charbel has a passion for helping people get closer to discovering the fullness of truth and invites anyone who is willing to help him on this mission of evangelization through Perusia Media. Charbel has two degrees, Master of Arts and Theological Studies from the University of Notre Dame in Sydney, Australia, and his undergraduate degree in personal development and physical education from the Australian College of Physical Education, excuse me, in Homebush Bay. He has over 10 years of experience as both a phys ed teacher and religion teacher for primary and secondary schools. Currently, Charbel is working full-time with Perusia Media, his greatest passion, which specializes in faith formation resources and events. Over 1 million people have been evangelized through the work of Prussia Media, and well over 500,000 resources have been distributed over the last 15 years. Welcome to the program, Charbel.
1: Thank you, Lisa, for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: Oh gosh, it's so much fun, and, and thank you for for dealing with our time zone differences. <laughs> You're so generous.
1: Absolutely. It's amazing. The two ends of the earth, here we are meeting. Thanks to technology, we can do this.
0: <laughs> right? It's amazing. Yeah. Um, we, we have our troubles with technology, but boy, they can really be sanctified and, and consecrated to, to God's glory. <laughs> yeah. Which you do every day of your life. Um, okay. So on this topic of marriage, uh, you and I have had a couple of previous conversations about homeschooling and and fatherhood and all of that. And just some lovely things came up about marriage and family life. And so I asked you to come back to specifically focus on this. So what or who in your life has inspired you to take good care of your marriage?
1: Well, yeah, it's a great question. I think my, obviously, uh, just growing up, looking at my parents, first and foremost, learning family life. I'm one of six boys. Uh, I didn't have any sisters growing up, but we were very tight knit in the early years. And I remember going as a family unit, you know, visiting uh, family and friends. And it was they're just great times. Uh, my, our parents used to dress us up in the exact same um, clothing. So we all looked the same. We hated it at the time. But looking <laughs> at it, looking back now as an adult and looking at the photos, they look great. You know, we're all in the same suits or the same Clothing, same colours, and I remember being <laughs> angry with Mum and Dad about that. But what it did, it, it sort of laid the foundation of family. We were all one unit, we were brothers, and and family was first. And Mum Mum did everything for us. Um, but as, as I think, as as time went on, as we grew up, as we started to work as teenagers, and then and then move on, and Dad as well was getting busy with his work, and um, you know things started to. I noticed uh, Mum and Dad were were actually um, uh, separating in their in their relationship, and it wasn't, and and we all started to fall away from our faith. So it was actually a time as a teenager, i I noticed that what we had in those early years was starting to sort of slip away. And uh, it wasn't until I rediscovered my faith again. And and thanks. And I think I touched on the, you know, the the testimony before in in a small way. But my, my, I needed another religion to remind me of my religion. So my, my Islamic friends challenged me about my faith. And my, my rediscovery of who God is as a father, I think, was very important. And although my father in the teenage years was absent, working just ridiculous hours, even to the point we moved away from home for a while. Uh, He did come back, but he just sort of drifted away. And I I just saw I was disappointed with him as a teenager. But rediscovering God as father, I think, helped me really understand that we have one true father, and that is God. And we have the honor as human beings to share in a small way of that fatherhood of God. So it it was my faith, I think, that has inspired um, my understanding of, of what marriage is. Ah, uh, what family life is, what what the honour of being called a father is, and and um and and being a spouse as well. I mean, all those things, um, and I I still am discovering today the richness and depth of of what marriage actually is. It's it's not just it's not just you know uh, dating or getting together with someone and and you just like someone and you're my favourite in the whole wide world and I just want to yeah it goes a lot deeper than that. And I I um I just I I have a lot to thank my our faith, our Catholic faith for to really, I think, spark my understanding for that. So I have to say the faith ultimately.
0: Oh golly, yeah. That's so great. I love listening to you because I can hear you operating on a lot of different levels. And what yeah. something that was just sparked in me listening to you is that people who have never been married or or who have had a poor experience of it for whatever reason can buy into this cultural lie that it's a ball and chain and that After that first, you know, kind of incendiary falling in love experience wanes, then love is over and it's just a grind. And so we got to go off and find love again. Um, But what those of us who persevere in marriage discover to our great delight is that, yeah, we have rough times. But when we hang in there and we keep asking for wisdom and we keep sacrificing and confessing our sins, by golly, we discover new treasures and new vistas and stuff that you don't see in the movies. You don't see on TV. The, this incredible spiritual experience of the deepening of marriage is something that you really have to persevere to discover.
1: I meant to that. I, I, that's right. I mean, if, because of the culture we live in, it, it sort of uh, feeds our pleasures right now. So we're always looking for what gives us uh, instant gratification. And so, it, you know, as teenagers, you know, you, those who are, if you're following a secular way and you end up going to different parties and, and you're being pressured in a certain way of living. Um, and so uh, I think once you discover true love, and that, that is this person, and I, I do I do believe, you know, in, in the idea of, um, you know, of one person a, a calling within marriage so we're called to marriage or or religious life but even within that we're even called to a particular person like I've I'm sure God has deigned it that you know there is out of the billions of people in the world you know there are only so many that you come across and out of those who come ac- you come across in your life there is that one that you are meant to marry and i and I think uh, we have to discover that and 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 pray for that and I feel I truly believe I found the one, the one that God intended me to marry, and and, uh, and it's a good reminder uh, every single day that what I felt on uh, day one for my wife. Um, Any time that you might think things get dry, remind yourself: my goodness, I was, I was, I fell in love with her on day one, and actually, I'm more in love with her now than I ever have been. But it is this realization that you know things pleasurable things pass. But but true joy and true love endures um, endures beyond <laughs> this time. You know, it's it's a, it's not a temporary thing. I think it's an eternal thing, and uh, and so we're tapping into love. If God is love, we're tapping into something that's real that started from all eternity, and we're sharing in that. And it's it's so beautiful once we understand um, what that is love, loving and giving yourself to another person, that person giving themselves to you. I could go on and on, but yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: No, that's why we have you here. We want you to go on and on. And, and another thing that sparks for me is that I've been married over 35 years. And, and my husband has given me permission, you know, in a particular talk that I gave not long ago at a conference to at least say publicly, we hunt through some tough times. And it's not unusual for people when they're young and they're in a lot of pain and they've fallen into a rut in their marriage and there's a lot of discomfort, they're really suffering to think... I made a mistake. I married the wrong person. And, and what that is, is their pain and their longing for that communion that we're, you know, that marriage is a foretaste of, that heavenly communion. We're all longing for it. But with maturity, with perseverance, comes that ability to kind of fall into it and rediscover each other. And I have to tell you, in all sincerity, makes me laugh because it's so delightful. Thirty-five years married. I can't imagine my life without my husband, and I, I can't imagine anyone else on earth I could possibly want to be with. Like he's irreplaceable. So when you're saying that, I just want to say, Amen.
1: Praise God, and 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 that's a reminder to me. It's not always going to be perfect, and it's those difficult times. I think um, you know it strengthens you actually uh, in your relationship, and having those and getting through those. You can now be stronger than ever, and 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 thank you for sharing that because it's a reminder to myself and, and many people who are married that yet yeah, we're not here for um I guess that the Disneyland sort of uh, idea of uh, you know they lived happily ever after most love stories end with that and, and we think oh yeah that's it it's all perfect from then on it's actually it's a beginning of a very tough journey and it's not easy however it's so fulfilling <laughs> um, but yeah we we talk about the good things but we very rarely address the, the bad things until it's too late. And then we made a decision to move on and then we look back and then, so yeah, that we can go on in that area too. So. But yeah, thank and, you for sharing that.
0: <laughs> thank you. And, and there's another, I don't know where it originated, but people move on to another relationship and another, and, and they end up in very similar predicaments emotionally and psychologically. And it's that old phrase, I don't know where it comes from, but wherever you go, there you are. And it's yeah. like, what what is it that you're dragging around that's making it hard for you to stay in there and fight right. for what you saw right. in that other person, for what God has called to you, called you? Can
1: too? you remind me? Archbishop Fulton Sheen had a great line here. Um, what we're looking for in our spouses is sometimes we have a, a bar that's way too high that only God can fill, no human can fill, and so we're expecting our spouse to be this on this level. And, and so then because they haven't met that un- that sort of unrealistic expectation of ours, we are looking for that in another person. But all we're actually looking for is a love that only God can feel. Once we, we sort of reconcile that and then we say, okay, this other person is, is a sinner like myself and they have faults like I do. This is okay. We're here to, I have to help them as much as they have. they're going to help me. So then we sort of lower down our expectations and we can start to see each other eye to eye rather than this sort of, perfect uh goddess you know <laughs> and and so fulton sheen said what you're looking for is god and if you think that marrying again divorcing and remarrying again is going to find you more happiness then you're adding a whole bunch of zeros because zero times zero times zero times zero equals zero you're not actually going to be happier <laughs> um and it's not quite a solution sometimes we, we think um yeah let's just end this start a new one and start again Unless it was an annulment and we can prove that there was no marriage in the first place, that's another issue, that's another discussion. But if there actually was a marriage and 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 you and you truly were in love and and for some reason it just sort of um, you know the fire uh, has burnt out, so to speak, you have to sort of follow along and see where did that spark go and why. And if it's just because of material things, I think we have to really look at ourselves. Um, and 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 so we have to just question ourselves. what are we loving and sometimes we love the way a person makes us feel and then we have to question what is it that we're actually loving the feelings so the pleasure or do i actually love that person for who they are and that is a yeah it's a it's a lifelong thing we have to really um reflect on it um and understand it and appreciate it but yeah, again, love is an eternal topic, so <laughs> it's phenomenal, this stuff. And I, that's why I thank my faith, because the Catholic Church really has a rich understanding of what marriage is, and it is deep, and it's, it's a sacrament. It's a sacrament. Let that sink in. I mean, to, uh, that's, that's another another thing altogether. Marrying another person is a sacrament it's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, amen. And and the thing is, we get to show the other person what it is to be married to a Catholic. You said early on, God is love. And it's been occurring to me lately with the world in such turmoil and so many people really feeling panicked by a lot of what's going on in the world. And I do feel for them intensely. Um, But I guess what I just want to say is that I think it was Faustina's diary in which Christ says something along the lines of, you know, the sins are dropped into the great ocean of my mercy. Like, there's no limit to that mercy. And so that we should always have faith, have faith that God has enough love that oftentimes like okay, if I feel like I'm running on empty and there's not enough love in my heart for the moment, I'll just say, Lord, give me your love to give this person in this moment. And he never fails me, ever.
1: Amen. That's right. I love that. Uh, God's mercy. Um, and it's a bit of a lesson for us, isn't it? Um, if God, the, the, the perfect, innocent God um can forgive us um any sin any sin is forgivable um and it's only like a drop in the ocean my goodness what who are we to deny forgiveness to our spouses who are we to deny forgiveness to anyone but especially our spouses so you know the, saying sorry is the most powerful word and then saying I forgive you or it's okay is 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 just as powerful <laughs> so very very important. <laughs>
0: And and we're kind of moving around the periphery of something that our lady said that in our times the the final battle would be the, the attack on marriage and the family. So what importance does doing that hard work, persevering and praying? Uh, what what is the ultimate importance of that? Having the good marriage, making a good marriage.
1: Yes, um, I think it's the it's the we're mirror, mirroring God. We're mirroring eternity and and what's in heaven. Marriage is n- nothing more than a mirror of the triune family. So if, if if husband and wife come together and have children, we beget children just like the Trinity is begetting children in his creation, um, you know, what an honour uh, we can share in that. We co-create. So a good, healthy family, a strong family is a witness to God's love. A good family is a model, can be a model for everyone else. And unfortunately, we're not celebrating family life anymore we're not even celebrating marriage anymore. We're, we're, we've sort of diminished it down to a piece of paper. So many people would, would say, oh, why do I need a piece of paper to prove my love for someone? Well, it's not the piece of paper that we're worried about, but it is it is what, what vows, what promises you made to each other in front of God and in front of witnesses. So you've made this a public declaration that I love this person and you're making a commitment for life till death do us part in good times, but also in bad times. In health, yes, but also in sickness, until death do your part. So it's 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 this is radical. This is love, and and so if we can really uh, persevere and be that model for the world, we need to put marriage and family back where it belongs um, as priority, front and center. Unfortunately, it is one of the last battles, isn't it, that the, the de- destruction of the family? And once you do that, we, we do have a bit of chaos and. You just have to look around the world. Um, so many people who are lost and searching for truth, searching for meaning. The big thing is look at the Ancestry.com um, concept. You know, people are are searching, wanting to know where they come from, what family line they belong to, who their natural father or natural mother is. It's almost like a lost generation. We 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 are finding one in two marriages are breaking up, and now that's even increasing. It's not decreasing. And so if more people, more children are growing up in broken families, more people are discovering themselves um, in a scenario where they don't have a mother or father, this is happening more and more. This becomes very difficult to sort of um, hold up a family as a model when they don't have that experience. So we need good families out there to really show and as an example of what is it that, that is natural, that, that according to nature um, is what we all desire. And we all do desire it, but unfortunately we've been convinced by, by uh, secularism, media and, and movies and, and the like, and, and that, you know, we focus on ourselves and what happens then we end up imploding because we're not loving the other, we're loving ourselves. And that's not love, that's selfishness. We've got to really turn this around and start pointing and looking to our neighbours beside us, looking at other people, and and not be so self-centred, but outward-centred. You know, so focusing on God as our anchor, and and being open to finding that love, and and it is out there for all of us if we if we are looking for it, um, and know that we're all loved first. We are all loved first by God, and then once we receive that love, we need to return that love. And it's loving our neighbour that helps us love God. So. Um, yeah, good families as models, good marriages as models, and now we have concrete examples of of what people can look forward to. And even it's, it's – I'm sorry, I'm going on, but one last thing.
0: <laughs> no, please do.
1: Let's do us part. Like, so we, we puff up marriage. Mari- now, if you love God, he's eternal, right? So when we love our spouse, if we love God first, we love our spouse even more. But if we love our – let, let me let me uh, just give it context. here. some people sort of try to compare um, love of God and they put it at odds with love of children or love of spouse. It's not at odds at all. As long as you've got it in the right priority, the capacity to love it just grows. So if I if I loved my children first before my spouse, then I'm I'm neglecting my spouse. I'm not giving my spouse my full attention, and so. Um, I've sort of got the priority wrong. A lot of a lot of parents, faithful parents, would put their children first. Now I can tell you, my mum did that to us. Unfortunately, I know their marriage is 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 not as healthy as it should be, and I, and we can pinpoint because she put children first. Now we love the fact that she loved us, but we also don't like the fact that her and dad are not really getting on. And and dad did feel second best to us. <laughs> so that's an you know it's a lesson for us that we don't prioritize children over our spouse, because if it wasn't for our spouse, we don't have our children. So, and then the same thing is God. So it's not children, spouse, God, it's God, spouse, children. (laughs) And once you do that by loving God, you will love your spouse more. If you love your spouse more, you will love your children more. It it, it sounds funny to a, on a natural level, but it is a supernatural (laughs) truth that, that it's, it's a reality. Put God first and watch what happens. Everything starts to flow and and we'll we'll have a lot more peace uh, if we do that.
0: yes, God's design is so rich and so mysterious. we we just dip our toes in the water, even if we're dedicated to this, our whole married lives, but the the fruits are so great. It's It's like God's ways are higher than our ways. So if we give ourselves to him first and foremost, there's so much he delights in pouring back into us and into our marriages and and then setting that beautiful example in our homes and in society. Just beautiful. Amen. Yeah. So uh, we hear so much talk about vision, you know, visioning work and vision for corporations and, and visions for nations. Um, how do we, or how do you and your wife come together to co-create a vision for your marriage?
1: It is um, something, I mean, ultimately, what, what's our vision statement? <laughs> what's our mission statement? It's to get each other to heaven. We understood that from day one. We sometimes can forget that and, and, and certain decisions, you know, you, you put in front of that. But but ultimately, if that's the goal, <laughs> getting each other to heaven, getting our children to heaven, it influences every decision you make. Um, so if we if we know that's our mission statement, everything we do on this earth is in light of that, then then you make sure you're careful with any big decisions. You don't just sort of have rash decisions that are just for, for short-term gains. Every decision is in light of that eternal one, and and we take that seriously. Until you, you really got to. We love it. Uh, it's not like we we are bound or prisoners to this. You know, we're not we're not sort of forced by the Catholic Church to to you know uh, practice this faith. We we fall in love with God and fall in love with His Church, and it's contagious. And we see each other. and We encourage each other in our faith. So every time we sit down and talk, and you know. What is it? We're not worried about uh, the different um, brands or toys or or, or things that the kids. (laughs) We sort of what if they're attached to, then we get worried. (laughs) Okay, how? What do we need to do with this child or that child? We, We talk about what is it to make them a better person? You know, what? How can they be a better child of God? How can they better give of themselves? And and then as you talk about that as 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 a couple about your children it very quickly turns on each other. What can we do (laughs) to to better ourselves? And and so that's where the conversation, it's always, you know, parents can't help themselves. We always talk about the children, but uh, never to forget ourselves. And and so we do regularly um, sit down. It's the daily coffee. It's the daily mini dates that we call them. And also even as regular as possible on a monthly basis, maybe twice a month, uh, we even have a date night where we go out and, and, and we just enjoy each other's company. And uh, and yes, even with uh, the eight children, <laughs> um, uh, we, can, we, can, we can find time to do that.
0: Yeah, those are just such, you've jumped right into something so critical is that you're intentional about nurturing your marriage. You have your daily coffee and you get your date nights when you can. It's a priority and it's blessing the two of you and it's setting such a beautiful example for your children.
1: Yes, the best way to bring up children is love your spouse. <laughs> so if you love your spouse the children love that they, they feel they're in a in a stable family unit when, when mum and dad are having an argument and the, the children don't don't delight in that um not for a second so you know if we can work on our marriages um as a as a culture uh, we're going to have stronger families just by just naturally um and uh you know it is two to tango so you know a lot of the, we need to work on men a lot but, but a lot, men do get bashed a lot you know in in different ministries and i and right i get it i but but i'd like to you know invite women too i mean what you want to do is it's a two-way street so discover what the other person is looking for and 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 really work towards that and and once the penny dropped for my wife and i that you know the, those love languages, I think, helped us a lot. And once we discovered what each other's love language was, we sort of, it, it sort of, we turned a corner for the better. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, please do. I'm sure that lots of people's ears are pricking up right now.
1: It was a, I think, as a, a Protestant author that, that that put it together, but it some great tips. Five, um, five ways. We have five love languages, and you know, once you discover your, we all have one dominant one, and then a secondary. One and then the others are sort of there uh, as sort of a third, uh, next level down. But there's one dominant love language that we all have, um, and so once you discover that, then that's going to help uh, marriages come together. A lot. And it, this is quite radical. It works once you discover it. So, <laughs> my my love language I discovered was um, physical affection. And words of affirmation. Now there are five love language. I'll quickly rattle them off. Um, so words of affirmation is one giving, you know, praising the spouse or, or giving them compliments. Um, there's a uh, physical touch or, um, affection. There's also gifts. So many people love gifts and others don't. So gifts are there, uh, acts of service. And, and the last one is quality time. And if, if you find out which one of those five is your dominant love language, then, but more importantly, find out what your spouse is. Then the key is to love your spouse according to their love language, not your love language. And the, the, for I think a decade of our marriage, I was um, I was actually giving my wife all the physical affection I could and all the words of affirmation as I could, without realizing that wasn't her love language at all. <laughs> wow. um, that was my <laughs> love language, and so I was I was I was sort of pouring it on you know um, and, and thinking what's wrong um, am I doing something wrong yes I was doing something wrong because I was loving her the way I wanted to be loved and my wife in return was her love language was acts of service and then quality time um, and so which I was obviously falling I was lacking I was not doing enough work around the house I was not um, helping out I was not creating quality time distracted with, with work and 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 all all sorts of things. I wasn't present to her in those early years. So um, she would do more because she's frustrated with me not doing my the jobs around the house, she's doing double time in that area. And I'm thinking, I just want you and just stop. And she's like, no, I don't want to stop. And if I'm complimenting her, she's like, thank you. But I'm thinking, I just complimented you and she didn't appreciate. But that's not her love language. And and so when we discovered the five love languages and discovered what our dominant one was, and then we flipped it on it and said, okay, I've been loving you the way I wanted to be loved. Once we realized that, we flipped it. And my goodness, the last few years have just been amazing. Um, uh, and, and I've actually, I enjoy doing acts of service now because I know that's what she wants. And I enjoy creating quality time because I know that's what she wants. I mean, gifts are not as much, uh, her love language and, and physical touch and words of affirmation. So I sort of toned back on that. But she knows that's mine. So she's actually upped uh, the ante in that space. She's been more physically affectionate to me. She's been complimenting me more. And so once we discover that, it really, really was a game changer. So I have to, yeah, that's that's a big takeaway for me.
0: (laughs) That's huge. And I feel like the core of this is is feeling seen and heard, that the other person actually sees you. They're not superimposing an idea of what you need. They're actually receiving you and pouring into that affirming you and your love language that's just gorgeous
1: absolutely yeah and it's so simple once you discover that and and, and just think about what are those things those categories that that you gravitate to there is a test online if you just uh, um, type in you know five love languages and there is an online test you can do you answer a few questions you can discover what your dominant love language is so i highly recommend that for for married couples.
0: Oh, wonderful. I'll put that in the show notes so everybody can yes. <laughs> find it easily. Oh, my goodness. And I imagine that really affects everything. It affects your day to day life. It affects your date nights. You know how to delight each other. So, so there's this whole new place. Can you give us some tips on, you know, and no matter how good it is, we all have a day when we're struggling with motivation. How do you get your motivation back in focus?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, you need those circuit breakers. You need those times <laughs> where uh, hours can go by and it just drags on. And, and that's why it's important um, breaking up your day intentionally. So the wisdom of the church, I mean, we, we love the idea of um, the morning routine, you know, the morning prayers and doing all that, um, getting ready with the kids. We, we try our best to go to daily mass uh, when, when possible, but, uh, you know, going to mass together, um, praying as a family, all those things. And then coming back, then we depart, I go to work and Christine is, uh, focusing on the kids with homeschooling and, and then, you know, you know, you're stopping at midday for the Angelus three o'clock for divine mercy chaplet evening prayer before dinner, then the dinner routine, then the night routine, night prayer, and then downtime. And then we have our own time. So kids go to bed, um, yeah, you know, by by eight eight thirty, and then we have we, we share some time together ourselves, and we just want to put our feet up. And before actually going to bed, we just like to we might watch something together, or um, yeah, just you know, have a bit of dessert, and and it's like a mini informal date. But we both can relax at the end of the day. Um, so it's a routine now. It's a routine that you you put in your day, but with with the the understanding that don't worry if it doesn't go to schedule. And I think we can get worked up um, unnecessarily when, when things don't go to schedule. You know, yes, we've missed morning prayer times. We've missed the evening prayer. We haven't said an angelus or it's okay. Um, <laughs> but just try and get back. You've realized it. Okay, tomorrow we'll do it again. But I think, um, yeah, those coffee breaks, are, are um, they're priceless. I, I don't know. It sounds so simple, but Really, when you stop for a coffee, you got to stop and drink it, right? You can't just give a takeaway. You got to stop 10 minutes. Come on, there's your coffee challenge right now. If you don't drink coffee, <laughs> tea, if you don't drink tea, do some sort of cold drink or milkshake. I don't know what it is. Anything, any excuse to stop, sit, and talk. Um, and I think uh, if you don't do that in the morning, do it in the evening. And yes, you know, do it in the, a lot of people wait to get everything done and then do it. I, I say, insert it in the peak out just before you jump into that peak hour. That's the key moment. So when I come home from work, that's that's the golden time to stop. My wife is looking forward to to having a break. I'm looking forward to just sort of regrouping and then together we can attack the, the peak hour of the evenings. So um, I think that's the key spot, <laughs> the circuit breaker. Um, <laughs> once you get home, um wives, don't expect your husbands just to get home and do all the chores. I mean, that's not fair on him because he's just come from a long day of work. And and husbands, don't expect your wife to just sort of expect you to go put your feet up and then and, you know she's also needing a break. So if we respect that we've both been busy, why don't we both stop? <laughs> Let the kids continue to play a little bit. They see mum and dad stopping, conversing. You're refreshed that little that little break, and then you go into the next phase of, of the day. And that's uh, the busyness of dinner and night prayer and showers and you name it, (laughs) winding down for bed. So um, yeah, I I think that's, that's a game changer as well, but just some sort of excuse to stop. And for us, it was coffee.
0: And also just to note uh, that the two of you together came up with where you would break and when you would come together and pray. So that might that will look different from family to family. But between the two of you, you found something that is working for you and there's flexibility built in because life happens. Absolutely. Just a few minutes left of our time together. Any particular patron of your family or a favorite saint that you go to for support in your marriage?
1: Yeah, very interesting. Saint Saint Joseph stood out for a long time from, I mean, and now here we are in the year of St. Joseph. And I'm just amazed. Uh, St. Joseph was there uh, right from the beginning. We, we invoked him um, for our marriage. Um, I mean, the Holy Family is the natural model, isn't it, <laughs> for families? But St. But Joseph, if I had to pick one, I think St. Joseph... Would, would have to be I mean, we have other saints we, we invoke, and each of the children are named after our, sa- our favorite saints, and they've got a second name as well. So, when we do a litany of saints every night after all the saints that we've named the children after, so and Beautiful. so they feel a little bit connected. It is, they they connect with that saint. And so, uh, if you want me to rattle them off, I mean, that's uh,
0: yeah, uh, if you, the
1: three archangels. Okay, like. oh, yeah. by the names, go it's Michael, Anthony. It's uh, Raphael John after St. John Vianney. It's um, Gabriel Francis, Elizabeth Mary. We've got Joseph Peter, Benedict Chrysostom, Catherine Marie Petra. Um, and we're still deciding on, uh, uh, we've got baby eight uh, in the womb right now. So the baby is due in uh, July. So um, we're, we're still, we, we try to look at the saints around the calendar, any of our favorite saints. And we're not sure yet uh, what name to name this child. but. Yeah, that's coming.
0: <laughs> I just can't stop grinning at the idea of doing a litany of the saints that are your children's names. That is so delightful.
1: <laughs> yeah, just just one that I knew that I won't forget those, <laughs> and uh, and it also made a connection for the kids. They feel that uh, that's their saint, and so there is this sort of strong bond between them and that saint. So. um Yeah, it seems to work. My name's Charbel. I rediscovered St. Charbel as an adult, not not as a child. So um, I have a strong devotion to him now more than I did when I was growing up. So um, There's an altar
0: for St. Charbel at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City, I just discovered a little over a year ago. We were just walking around the perimeter of this beautiful Gothic cathedral, and that was the first time I had heard that name.
1: Wow. Wow. I mean, one lesson he taught us was he was he was very uh, silent, very much reserved, kept to himself. He was a hermit, and he gave up the pleasures of this world for the for the eternal pleasures of the next. Even to the point where he wouldn't even see his own mother. Natural mother, she would visit the monastery, and and he wouldn't even see at all. Oh, "We'll see each other in heaven." Massive sacrifice, but he had his eyes fixed on heaven, and he offered up all sacrifices on earth for the eternal bliss of heaven. And, and look at this, when he died, only two people were at his funeral. But since then, uh, he's a global phenomenon. I mean, miracles attested to this saint. It's phenomenal. And they're in the hundreds of thousands of the amount of documentation um, of people actually praying to him and asking for his intercession and getting healed. It's phenomenal from Russia, as far as Russia, right across the Middle East uh, in Australia, South, uh, South America, Europe, um, I mean, it's just been amazing how popular he is. and he was he was relatively unknown in his life. So that wow. it, that that tells me God is real. <laughs> Eternity is real. and um and and don't worry everyone out there. Don't be fearful. Uh, like this life is is if we if we die, it's not the end. It's only the beginning.
0: Amen. Amen, yes. what a beautiful note to end on when we get so caught up in everything. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) All right. Charbel, thank you so much. So good of you to come back again and spend some time with us. Always enjoy speaking with you. And I know that just, it's funny how inspiring and helpful it is to get a window into someone else's life, someone who's been cultivating a relationship with the Lord together with their spouse and just the beautiful fruit that comes from that.
1: My pleasure, thanks for having me and I hope it's it's planted some seeds in in the listeners and viewers today and 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 I pray that for your work it's important and and I you know I think it's it's helping so many people. so keep going, we're praying for you and please pray for us at Perusia and I invite the listeners to to check out what we do at uh, our website perusiamedia.com. Um, love to love them to say hello.
0: Oh, yeah. Everybody check out www.perusiamedia.com. That's in our show notes. You'll find incredible resources there. And from time to time, beautiful online, free, amazing pilgrimages and other events going on that they sponsor and have a lot of heavy hitters, really amazing guests giving talks and just pouring out love on the world. So it's just an absolutely beautiful ministry. Consider maybe donating or buying some resources from, for your homeschool from perusiamedia.com
1: thank you god bless you
0: oh thank you and everybody stay tuned for our short feature coming right up
2: hi i'm aj Catapan. welcome to books and blessings a place where I get to share with you some of my favorite books for Catholic teens and tweens. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Ghost Boys, a contemporary middle-grade novel by Jewel Parker Rhodes. In this timely tale, we meet 12-year-old Jerome. He's a good kid who does his best to stay out of trouble, and there's plenty of it in his Chicago neighborhood. Unfortunately, school is not a refuge when there are bullies like Eddie, Snap, and Mike ready to pounce on Jerome any chance they get. This leads Jerome to spend his lunch breaks hiding in places like the locker room, the supply closet, and even the bathroom. One day, Jerome meets a new boy, Carlos, who has recently moved to Chicago. When bullies come after both Carlos and Jerome in the bathroom, Carlos pulls out a toy gun. Although it's only a toy, it's realistic enough to scare off the bullies. Wanting to thank Jerome for helping him stand up to the bullies, Carlos lets Jerome borrow his toy gun after school. On the way home, Jerome decides to take out the toy gun to play with it. However, a cop sees him, mistakes the toy gun for a real one and shoots. Jerome becomes a ghost boy who begins to see the ghosts of other black boys who've been wrongfully killed, including Emmett Till. The only living person who can see and talk to Jerome is the daughter of the police officer who shot him. I loved many things about this book. First of all, it approaches a very challenging yet timely topic in a way that is age appropriate for middle school students. The focus here is on friendships. First, there is the brief but meaningful friendship between Carlos and Jerome. After his death, we see Jerome develop a strange but powerful relationship with the one living person who can see him, the daughter of the police officer who shot him. I really appreciate that the reader has the chance to see the devastating effects the shooting has on both Jerome's family and the police officer's family. Finally, there's the mysterious friendship Jerome develops with fellow ghost boy, Emmett Till, as Emmett slowly leads Jerome to see how his death is won in a long line of tragic killings. Ghost Boys by Jewel Parker Rhodes has won numerous awards. Although the book is not overtly Catholic, there are a couple of scenes at the end that focus on All Saints Day, Dia de los Muertos, and the idea of praying for the deceased. To see more book suggestions, visit my website at ajcatapan.com. There you can also learn about my own books for young readers, including my YA novel, Angelhood, and my middle grade novel, Seven Riddles to Nowhere. Thanks for joining me on Books and Blessings. Be sure to find me online on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or on my website, ajcatapan.com. Until next time, happy reading.
0: That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student. Learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier. Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast.